You're listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Brand Engagement and Multimedia Strategy at Stylus. Today, we're going to be talking about stress and how the beauty industry is taking on the challenge of de-stressing consumers. To discuss this, I'm very happy to say I'm joined by Trini Whittle, uh, beauty entrepreneur and Insta influencer, who many of you will know as one half of the hit fashion lifestyle show, Trini and Susanna. Also with us is Lisa Payne, Stylus's senior editor of beauty. So welcome to you both. So first, Trini, thanks for joining us. Please, could you tell us a little bit about your brand and what made you move into beauty? Well, I think I'd always been a bit obsessed with beauty. I think my background is about the concept of making over a woman, and that can be a daily feeling we have, just like, oh, I need a makeover today. And when you do that with a woman, you're doing clothing and makeup and um, hair. And I think I over the 5,000 women I made over over about 15, 20 years, I noticed that they noticed the makeup first. You know, and then they notice their body shape change and their hair. And I love that. And equally, I did have, I'm sort of probably the best research engine as much as we do research, you know, as a brand. Most of the research we rely on is the stuff inside my head of talking to 5,000 women and getting their feedback on that frustration at the beauty counter, you know, not understanding or having confidence around makeup. And, and I, at the same time, was traveling around the world filming a lot of shows because I stopped filming in England years ago and I would put all my makeup which I'd already changed all the formulas because I'd mushed together color and 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 formulation to get the consistency I wanted let's say in a foundation or a lips cheek or something and I put them in this sort of stacks and I'd always be in a bathroom and somebody would go what's that and I'll go it's my makeup bag and they'll go well where can I buy it and I would think one day you know all, all those people with an entrepreneurial spirit think one day and then I woke up one day in 2013, I thought this is when I've got to start it because, you know, I'm, I'm 50 and I want to really have that sense of finally being able to start my own business. And I'd spent many years where, you know, I wasn't in control of my destiny because when you work on TV or you write books or, or you have a column, there's an editor or there's a, there's a commissioner always involved in that process. And I just thought I wanted to take this chance. And I tried something online in 1999. It was way too early. And I learned so much about how not to grow a business from that experience. So when I went back in, I was a little bit more seasoned and I just thought this is the idea. This is the idea that I feel women will really benefit from. And enjoy so you know three years later and we've grown four times each year we have about four hundred thousand customers we've done you know it's been it's been unbelievable growth and i i felt it i always want to be online because i wanted to offer really good personalization and for me the retail experience sometimes dilutes a brand's identity because you don't control 100 percent that identity and i feel the same about third-party reselling so that's why, you know, I developed personalization around Trinity London. So you can go in and you can see what makeup really suits you. And I think many women don't know that, that we could reach 50 and think, oh, do I really suit this lip I've already always put on? So came from that. And, and yeah, that's, that's probably it in a nutshell. A long nutshell. <laughs> Your latest product is 
or your latest launch is the BFF De-Stress Tinted Serum. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that and what makes it so special. Well, I think I've been very obsessed with years, for years, of the effects of cortisol on our skin. And I think I've done quite a lot of research on it. And I'm as interested in kind of looking after ourselves internally as externally. And I do look at ingredients that have really helped with reducing my cortisol levels. And, you know, when you go through also the menopause, you, you learn a lot more about hormones. And I just did a lot of research about hormones. And in that, I looked at the stress-releasing hormone, cortisol. And I thought, this does have an impact. That fight or flight does dehydrate our skin. You know, it takes away the moisture. It gives you that sort of tight, wizened feeling. And I also felt we were at a stage in Trinity London where I really wanted to go down this path of what is a hybrid? Because I think I wanted to challenge the concept in skincare makeup of what is a hybrid. Because there's, there were many you know, there are many sort of foundations on the market that would say we have these lovely ingredients. And I was thinking, mm, but is that functional or active levels? You know, is that marketing levels? What can actually change? So we have a product already called BFF, SPF 30 Skin Perfector. And it's something that just has a little bit of tint. It's SPF 30, which I think women winter or summer should wear every day. And it gives you a bit of a glow. And we sell one every minute. You know, it was a, it's a really great product for me because it's not it's not about heavy coverage it's about skincare maintenance as well so I thought I want something in that that I can do where I can look at how I can reduce stress on skin and I, I knew what the name of it would be before I even thought about the ingredients too but I'd come across wild indigo years ago as a you know something that would kind of work with cortisol and reduce it which then became in a way what is commercially known as neurofrolene complex developed by a manufacturing lab in Europe. And I started to get some consumer trials on neofrolene and I looked at how it, you know, at sort of 2%, how much it reduced the levels of stress on the skin by about 50%. And I said, okay, Claire, I want to use that in it. And I want to do something also where, you know, there's a ton of talk about HEV light, but I thought, what's the, there's so many elements to this up, but like, you know, we always have a place in our skincare routine, we put our serum. Okay. And that's really for going inside our skin to do stuff. And I knew that all the things that led to our skin being stressed end up on our epidermis or they come from outside. So HEV light comes from outside. Cortisol as a, as a substance, you know, you produce it, but it comes and sits right on your epidermis. So I thought, this is really interesting. Can we get a serum that is the last thing you put on, you know, not the first thing you put on after you cleanse your skin. I like this kind of let's challenge the concept of can there be serums that sit in different locations of our skincare makeup journey. So that's how in a way de-stress was born. And I then said to Claire, I want, you know, I want to put in 10% neurofrolene. And she said, why? You know, it, it, it works at 2%. And I said, because I do believe more will work better. <laughs> and I just believe that. And she said, yeah, but you're not a scientist. You're just throwing it out there. And I said, yeah, but I really, really believe it. I just, you know, I don't know, calling for, I believe it. And so we did. And then we also looked at what actually works on with HGV light. Because there's a lot of products too that, that look at HGV light and look at ingredients that can work to help HGV light. So we, we did a, a complex, which is, we've called it MP Triox. So the Triox is a triple antioxidant complex that we put in. And 
then we started doing consumer trials. And I was so nervous. It was like I'd given birth to a child, mm-hmm. you know, because I was waiting and waiting. And I'd call Claire everywhere. I said, have they come back yet? Have they come back yet? Excuse me. Have they come back yet? And, uh, and then we started getting back. And we had about 280 women because it was during um, lockdown. So that was really quite tricky. We had had, I wanted to also do 500 women because I hate consumer trials where it says 98% thought blah, blah, blah. And it says of the 68 women who tried it. And I thought, oh, that's just such, you know, let's challenge that. Let's do a minimum 500. And in the end, it was that many. And then I started to get these things in and we asked them immediately how they felt because we put hyaluronic acid in. So there's going to be that lovely immediate, the coverage I wanted to be incredibly fine pigment. I wanted this beautiful coverage that I wanted to challenge women who wore double wear. You know, that was a big thing for me as well, is I wanted this to be something that had skincare benefits and you'd think about as a serum. But I want to also challenge women about how can your skin look its best? You know, we sometimes wear things that we wear and they become a mask to, you know, we, we lose the objective perception of how we see our face. So how can I have a product that will develop over a couple of hours on your skin where your skin could look even better and also can change the way you consider what coverage should be? So there's many expectations I put into de-stress. And, you know, we start to get back these things. And the thing I was looking for, like the thing I was looking for more than anything, which then, you know, when we had these consumer trials, I saw this happening is, and we didn't, we just said, how does your skin feel? Immediately put it on. How does it feel after five hours? How does it feel after a week? So that the, the things that came back, which were my joy you know people said I like when it put on it didn't give me as much coverage because we asked women who wore double wear as well to try it as my double wear blah blah but I quite like how my skin looked and then we had after five hours my skin looked better but I'm not sure why Mm. but it looked better you know as the day progressed it looked better and neurofrolene is only really activated after about an hour and a half on the skin because it starts doing its work and so I when I had first tried the final formulation I remember feeling that I'd had a very stressful morning and I remember waking up and think I looked incredibly tired and I put on de-stress. And then five hours later, a woman came to the house to have a meeting with me and she said, Trini, you look amazing. And I thought, oh, don't be so glowing with confidence. I know I look shit, you know? And she said, no, really, really, you look amazing. And I looked in the mirror and I thought, oh my God. And it was, that you know, it really kicked in. And I thought, this is, this is really everything you want as a, as a innovator. You want this to be that. So anyway, going back to this, I'm really long-winded here. Sorry, I feel passionate about it. But going back to these women, then they said, after two weeks, without it on my skin, I noticed the change in my skin. Because we asked them to dump every other thing they used apart from cleansing. So that to me was like, what did I want this product to be? I wanted it to be lovely coverage that would make women reconsider their coverage. I wanted it to be a serum that would have an immediate effect on the skin. I wanted that it to be a product that as the day progressed, if you were having a very stressed day, it didn't show on your face. And my ultimate thing was that it had such active ingredients that for women who maybe didn't even really use the serum in their routine, this might be the first introduction to some really active ingredients and they would notice the difference on their skin. So we now sell in two and a half months, we sell one every minute as well. It took us three years to build up BFF. SPF skin factor, and this in two and a half months has come up to the same. So it's it's been an incredibly exciting journey on it. It's that's very long answer, I'm afraid, but that I have to give you. No, it's fascinating. Thank you. (laughs) Really, Mm. really fascinating, and and congratulations. It's a brilliant success, Lisa. So stress. I mean, I have not 
seen a lot of stress being mentioned as a as a sort of target for skincare. I mean, is this something which is quite new in beauty? Are you seeing a lot of it now? I definitely think it's it's something that we we've seen emerging in in beauty product launches with brands sort of claiming to address stress from a mental health and topical perspective. And this actually really started back in 2017 when the World Health Organization labeled stress the sort of the health epidemic of the 21st century. But it wasn't really until last year that we kind of saw the commercial possibilities of beauty brands really addressing stress under the banner of well-being and, you know, where beauty and health kind of really cross over to great effect. And, and Neurofrolene came onto the market from Jividan. And that was, I remember at the time thinking, this is going to be really interesting to see where it goes. And so interesting also to see that it's, it's in this particular product in such a high quantity. And so we actually wrote about stress in this report called Stress Busting Beauty with some sort of amazing statistics on how many global consumers are stressed and the rising number of people that understand that stress adversely affects their skin and their hair, so much so that people are kind of looking for products to help like, like this one. So even back then, Google searches for anxiety-based products were growing 24% year on year. And so when you think back to now, it's not a surprise that people really understand from a marketing perspective, how how stress and beauty correlate and, and how potentially their everyday products like makeup can actually, you know, with the right formulation, give them something to help their skin and their hair outside of just coverage. Has the pandemic, which has made us all even more stressed than we were before, has that made a difference? Have you have you seen, you know, more people seeking out these sorts of products as a result? I think definitely, you know, if you look at Google searches and you look at, you know, we can analyze an element of just seeing on, you know, what we put as a brand when we have our, our Google listing and we put de-stress, italic, you know, different products we have. And, you know, naming a product in the terms of the res the effect you're feeling, a lot of people name products by the result you're going to get. And it's, I think, really interesting to name a product which is about what's going on with you and potentially the result you're going to get. So de-stress, it's, it's encapsulating those two. And I think it is very important for searching. And I think for searching for us, when you put up de-stress, you know, we come up now because, because it's that word, which is such a big word. But, you know, it's a bigger picture to me and it's about the story of inflammation you know, and stress is feeding into the inflammation of the skin. And, and every skin condition to me is, is a result of some kind of inflammation. So I feel that's what we need to also, you know, consider how we address that. And um, when we talk, I mean, you mentioned a little, some examples earlier, but when we talk about the, the causes of stress and things like, you know, light and so on, perhaps you could talk a little bit more, and Lisa as well, about, you know, what are the, the touch points, the daily stress touch points, pollution and so on? Well, yeah, I mean, I think definitely the pandemic has changed everything for so many people. People are indoors more. So actually being affected by indoor pollution, which is a concept that came up last year in beauty, as well as potentially less, less outdoor pollution, but less uh, access to vitamin D and sort of natural mental health sort of fixes, you know, looking at trees and being in, in nature is, is really important. We're looking at screens so much now because, you know, we're on our laptops the whole time. We're then looking at TV or we're on our phones buying things. So 
you know, that light is is definitely affecting our skin. Creating I don't know about you too, Lita, of, of how much I think it's really it would be really interesting to have more info on that. I mean, I've done a bit of research on the impact of that yeah. radiating light onto your skin in comparison, you know, because I think there's a level of understanding of what UVA, UVB damage mm -hmm. does. You know, I think we've been around SPFs for so long that we kind of know, yeah. but quantifying the proportion. So I did read some stats and then I kind of talked about them when we were doing our de-stress of, of maybe there is, there is, you know, a lot of chat out there that, that if you're on your phone six or eight hours a day, your phone or screen or everything you're saying, Lisa, it has, it yeah. could have up 20% of the damage that UVA, UVB gives you. Exactly. I don't know what you've also researched on that, Lisa, but I think this is a huge, when you say indoor pollution, it's a hugely contributing element to our skin and well-being. Absolutely. And I think that it's something that the uh, sort of raw cosmetic beauty developers have been looking at for a while, but it's it's been a sort of harder story to tell from a consumer angle. Now, yeah. you know, we're prime for blue light to be a claim to protect, you know, from a from a skin perspective. And there's so much great science coming out now about, you know, topical products being able to sort of counteract the effects. Because also when it comes um, to blue light, it also totally affects our circadian rhythms. So you're also getting, you're getting the damaging effects topically, but then you're also getting that lack of sleep. And if we're all sort of messing up with our circadian rhythms, then you're not sleeping as well, which obviously then also affects um, how you look and feel. And there's lots of amazing products that are coming out calling like ice awake and 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 sort of tapping into sort of feeling hungover because again it feels like consumers are really ready for a shift in, in beauty marketing and language you know before we used to feel very much we'd go into boots we'd go i'm oily skin or i'm dry or i'm combination and that was pretty much the only things that you could really buy into and now it's like you've got masks for when you're on your period or i'm really tired and and these are all sort of things that we understand and we know we know that we're spending too much time on our screens we know that we're spending too much time in the sun or you know we know that we kind of feel a bit icky and gross when we're on our period and there's you know and so we understand these markers and we understand that we need to we need to do something to feel better so we're, when a brand kind of gives you something that says hey i know you're tired here have this product that's going to really sort of boost you up and make you feel better or you know i know you're in a period and you feel a bit spotty here's the sort of solution you know that that's really that's a really exciting space and it and it you know leads to opportunities within product development like actives raw cosmetic product development into into giving you that sense of you know when you're on a hangover you you kind of look and feel rubbish and 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 having a product that can help you sort of feel more awake and happy and sort of bright is is something that consumers really buy into and it's a really nice opportunity yeah. i think i mean i think you know lisa you've talked a lot about this kind of crossover between wellness health and beauty you know is that is, is that the future do you think are we going to be looking at you know, moving completely away from from these traditional markers of of what beauty products can do, and it becoming a much more holistic experience. I think there's definitely been a sort of move away from really masking makeup. Trini was mentioning that before, and the the you know being in lockdown, people have definitely been using less makeup. The makeup sales have reduced in the US and I think it's partly because of there's a lack of discovery but also people aren't wearing makeup as much anymore so when you've got makeup that actually offers something 
aside from masking or coverage and gives you an opportunity to to affect your skin and, and and better your skin somehow that's kind of where people are heading you know outside of lockdown you know that's kind of what we predict is, is going to be really relevant we've been talking about skincare makeup hybrids for a while based on this and so when you think about that we are moving away from traditional products we're, we're looking for something or products that give us a little bit of extra something. So, you know, brands like This Works that kind of do skincare and aromatherapy sort of hybrids and looking at the real science behind how our brain reacts to different smells and, and then having, for example, they release some, some amazing hand products and like a hair shield that is, you know, 60% alcohol. So it's, it's, it's a hand sanitizer as well as having a particular sort of stress relief aromatherapy elixir so you feel less stressed while you're using the product so i think that that hybrid element is really exciting and, and as i said consumers are really responding to that kind of language so that crossover of mental health physical beauty and just general all-over well-being is is the story that we're looking forward to seeing more from just before we came on you mentioned your your hatred of marketing bullshit so how how are you sort of approaching the way that you market your products i think it's you know it's a lot what you were saying too lisa just about when you think about the consumer and when they're in a store it's what name really resonates you know and i feel there's you know i I have a team who my copywriter at the moment you know for, for for all online she doesn't have a education in beauty you know because because we have a lot of stuff we write about which is not just you don't need to know ingredient levels of stuff and she's a great writer but you know Claire who's my head of MPD and I have been talking around how we talk to people about this what language we use and you know I have I cannot bear the word anti-aging so we we never on the site it's a banned word on our site and and a few others, we have this kind of little dictionary of words you cannot use when you're describing things that have skincare attributes in them. So I think it's very important to tell a truthful language when you speak to consumers. I think there are so many more, you know, Lisa, you are a world of information. I love your information. I want to steal <laughs> to work with us, actually. Um, I have to say that out loud now. Switch me from Silas. <laughs> But um, I I think that there's a responsibility for um, companies to really educate consumers because otherwise they're going to lose them out to them following an influencer who they feel gives them more kind of transparent education and says it like it is. And, and, you know, there's a little girl recently that I shouted out on my Instagram because I just, she's called Sparkle and Shine or something. She's about 18. And she does this really, she says, look, you know, she found... Dr. Barbara Sturm, and then she found another German company, Biognor or something, exactly the same packaging, same ingredients on the back, everything, you know, and there's, there's, there's people out there who will say, look, hey, hey, 100 pounds, 20 pounds, what's going on, you know, so there is that, so you've got to, you know, when I look at margins as a brand, you know, I'm developing on things at the moment, and, you know, in the area that we're developing, the margins are incredibly high, and I'm like, yeah, but I, really want these ingredients to be in there and there's you know for us there's a sense of responsibility as a brand that we want to deliver things and not to not not charge yes because we're a commercial company but to be able to not compromise you know and and not compromise in what we want to offer 
There's also a change too in, you know, we're developing some new things at the moment and I have a, a couple of people who are maybe from more traditional beauty background. So they're like, but if you, if we develop this, then we've maybe solved too many problems and we can't expand on the category. Right. And I go, that's not how we think here. We're not L'Oreal. <laughs> we're like, let's solve this problem for a woman. That's brilliant. If we then decide there's something else around there that we can solve too, let's do it. But let's not think like that at all because that's a part of our transparency to our consumer. It's like, let's not give you a problem you know you didn't have and then give you 20 more things to think about what you could buy in that category. <laughs> let's just try and think this could help and then, you know, move on to what else can help. There's a bunch of things there that I think are really interesting from a perspective of what we've been looking at. Obviously, transparency is is so important and it's actually been something that is really difficult to talk about because obviously for a lot of brands, it's not helpful to them to be transparent. So it's a very difficult story for us to tell, but it's, it's, it's really important now. Like consumers have so much access to all of the information. They have access to thousands and thousands of brands from all over the world. You know, there isn't that sense of loyalty if they feel like you're not giving them something that they want, or if they feel like they're being lied to, or if they feel like they're not, you know, they're, they're sort of being marketed to, there is that, there is that problem. And also there is that issue of, of buying less and selling less, which again is a very hard story to tell, Mm -hmm. you know, commercial brands because they want to make more, they want to sell more, but actually the consumers are really responding in a way to sort of say anti hauls, no buy, less buy January, no buy January. How can I, reuse something else um how can i minimize my beauty and product routine from you know 25 bajillion products into into one and so brands that again as i said before giving them you know products that sort of condense a lot of stuff and 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 target lots of different issues in in sort of one product is sort of really going to resonate it was something that we wrote about this year called the rapid rise of slow beauty and it's something that we're 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 looking at into next year called commercial commercializing less and so less really is something that feels feels massively strong. And it was only sort of catalyzed by the pandemic. So, yeah, I think that that's something that's really interesting. I mean, it's interesting, Lisa, when you say about minimizing products, because I think, mm. you know, if we look at this kind of skincare, it used to be, I remember in 1978, going to Lord and Taylor and buying my Clinique three-step. They'd literally launched two years before, I think I'm that old. Yeah. But I remember that that incredible effect that had on me to, to realize here was a brand saying these are the three steps it looked like a computer that sliding thing at the time yeah, and, yeah. and then there was a kind of evolution into then these kind of I think the next big trend was was doctor's brands you know and really yeah. getting those and learning about ingredients and then the next big trend was the kind of you know hero product concept and then we had kind of the sort of you can get these singular ingredients from very cheap companies and then we now have this, you know, you can get everything in one serum, which, which I personally feel women are quite different. Their skin is quite different. Their conditions and needs are quite different. So it is to me, what we're looking at now is how can you offer that sense for a woman that she's not being over sold lots of things, but she still is really being, you know, it's about how do you, tend to her needs as an individual because you know I, I I'm not sold into an all-in-one serum because my skin is not the same as yours Lisa and not the same as yours Christian it's actually something that we're, we're looking forward to exploring more in 
kind of early next year because again something that's happened because of the pandemic obviously brands have really been using online to democratize beauty education and i think that that's really something interesting like lots of beauty schools from like the inky list for example and yeah these are brands that are selling lots and lots of products lots of single yeah. ingredient products yeah. but what i think is interesting is, is as you say, we're all different. We all have different needs. I know that for me, I really love using polyglutamic acid and that right. might not be something that somebody else needs or, or wants to use. What do you use polyglutamic acid for? Because the Inky List has that and I've got it in my drawer and I yeah. picked it up three days ago and I thought, what is this for? I don't know, tell me. So it basically is four times as powerful as hyaluronic acid. So it just basically creates that really lovely hydration balming effect so you can use it with hyaluronic acid and that polyglutamate just kind of seals everything so when you're feeling very very dry layering polyglutamic over hyaluronic or vitamin c or something like that just kind of gives you that extra sense of well, I've, suggested it to, I've suggested it to everyone that's ever asked me what i should buy and everyone loves it so you know, the one from the inky list the, the one from the inky list yeah yeah they do, yeah. they do good products. I like the apple cider vinegar one too. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's 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 about giving consumers the sort of education to say, okay, so you can either use two products or you can use a thousand. That's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the education. This is effectively what you need. And I'm going to tell you how to use the product. If you think it's there, because I do feel, because I, I do this little skincare chat on a Wednesday morning on Facebook and there's, you know, we have about, quarter of a million women who who watch it and, and about 3,000 people who comment and of those women and this is a Facebook audience it's not your 20 year olds on Instagram right but I, I'm always fascinated by the lack of you know you either have that skincare fanatic but by how many women still feel so profoundly confused Last do I put my at this stage and when do I put this and do I need this and you know it's I it fascinates me daily so when we talk Lisa about the education I think the introduction of these names of all these you know AHA BHA PHA acid all oh, that sounds scary but you know is you know I don't use I don't use hyaluronic acid because it's this percentage and my lactic acid oh no but they're two different things but they're both called acid but actually one hydrates and the other one actually resurfaces your skin I mean there that there is just it's it's made for in a way to me more confusion yeah oh absolutely and I guess that's why brands want to kind of say I understand that there's a lot of confusion yeah. but also you know, consumers that aren't taught exactly how to use these products and layer them properly are starting to have breakouts. They're starting yeah. to have compromised skin barriers and it's because they're yeah. exfoliating too much or they're using yeah. products in wrong combinations. And yeah. then they're saying, oh, the brand is bad or this product is bad, I don't yeah. like it. And it's not because necessarily that the product is bad or the brand is bad. It's, it's that they've been using it incorrectly. And I think that that's yeah. why a lot of brands have understood, you know, consumers are now online more than they ever were. They will continue to be online, even, you know, when lockdowns end. Yeah. And this is, where, this is where they go, okay, well, my audience is online. How can I help them? How can I help them better use the products? Because if they're using the product correctly, chances are they'll like them yeah. more than if they were using them incorrectly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see how, how that's coming through. From, from clever brands, yeah. Tony, I, I ask three sort of quick fire questions to, yep. to my guests at the end of every episode. The first one is what would you invest in right now aside from your own business if you had a million dollars? I'm gonna put two million pounds next year 
interpersonalization. I think it is the key component for online. Brilliant. The second question is, what is a, a consumer problem or challenge you don't think has been successfully solved yet? Uh, skincare routines. And finally, which individuals or brands do you look to for inspiration in your work? I stay in my own tracks. Okay. Sounds <laughs> like it's working very well for you. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for joining us. That was a, a fantastic and fascinating conversation. I'd like to thank my guests, Trini Will and Lisa Payne. And thank you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.